Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the See you. Appreciate you coming out on your busy schedule. I know getting back into schedule and kids to school and work, but we appreciate you coming tonight. Lord bless you. Got a few announcements. August 20th at 1145, you can see Sister uh, Carolyn, uh, Sister Ray is walking through something right now. and Not, not Brother Ray. Oh, boy, it's going to be one of them nights. I told you, watch, watch, watch what you put in that pot. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, see Sister Carolyn about it because Sister K, see K rhymes with Ray. So Ray, Ray, uh, no, Sister K uh, is not feeling too good. So anyway, you can see Sister Carolyn, they're going to be bowling and uh, meeting at 1145. So you can see about that. Uh, kids are going to have their lockdown the 21st from 8 in the afternoon till 8 o'clock the next morning, right? Lock in, not lock down, lock in. Okay. Let me adjust my contacts here. Ladies mentoring meet, meeting, Thursday, August 27th at 630 here at the church. You can see Sister Cindy about that. And then Bound for Life, Sister Cefeli, I don't see her tonight, but she'll be meeting here August 29th at 830. And I tell you, if you've never been to a Bound for Life, hey, how you doing, sis? Como estas, mi hermana? Que viene verte. Dios le bendiga. Hallelujah. Es una amiga mía. Gloria a Dios. Y'all didn't understand me, huh? I said she's one of my friends. Hallelujah. Tres amigos. Somos tres amigos, No. Ay, 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 que Dios nos ayuda, no? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's good to see y'all tonight, and we're glad you're here. I want to share something with you out of Isaiah chapter 37. You're from Houston. You don't speak Spanish, do you? And she'd be heading back to Houston. Sure been good having you, though. She's a sweetheart. Got two beautiful daughters. Hallelujah. We're glad you're here. We bless you. Invite some friends to come Sunday night and hear me trample all over my words, but you get the message, and we're going to have a wonderful time. Always good to fellowship around the word of the Lord. Don't forget Sunday school training at 9 o'clock. Be sure to be here for that. Get some good word. Then regular service at 1030. We've uh, waiting for the parking lot man to come to enlarge our parking lot. And we'll have more chairs out. And uh, we've got some other things coming. And uh, getting ready to get some big screen TVs in the foyer for overflowing for those who are getting up because of their children. We want to get some things prepared. Balcony. 
extension. So we're going to go for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you for that one applause. Who was that? Thank you, dear. God bless you. Remind me to give you a raise. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 30. I want to share something with you. It says, this shall be a sign to you. The Living Bible says, here's proof of what I say is true. Isaiah 37, verse 30. A sign that you shall eat this year such as grows of itself. And the second year, what springs from the same, also the third year, sow and reap. Plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Look at verse 31. And the remnant who have escaped the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear root for upward. Shall... Bear root downward and bear root but upward. You know, I don't know about y'all. Any of y'all around here had any trouble with people going around knocking your mailbox down? We some Okay, some people have. I, I've had my mailbox knocked down I don't know how many times, and I've put it back together. Boy, it was looking bad towards the end. Uh, it had been nailed together all, so many times, and finally this lady completely ran over it and uh, tore the bottom of her car open everything and came and, but bless her, she came and gave me a check for it because she demolished the mailbox. So I put a new mail, went bought a new mailbox and put it up. But there's something that's interesting that happened right on the side. If you ever pass by my house on 28 East and Circle Drive, if you look, you'll see about a six, six and a half foot cedar tree that where I put my new mailbox, a cedar tree grew on the side of it. And it's already six feet. And, you know, it had been being whacked down for a long time. But even while it was being cut down on the ground and you couldn't see it, it was taking root downward. And when I put the new mailbox up, they quit cutting it down, so it gave it a chance to grow. And now it's been about three years now since I got this new mailbox, and now it's about six-foot cedar tree. A cedar tree. And I look at it every time I leave my house and I come back to my house because I just feel like God is saying, what was trying to rob you of my message has been taken care by me. And I've established something there to keep it to where it wouldn't be knocked over uh, or, or destroyed anymore. And, you know, I look for natural things. A few years, well, when Lance was a baby, probably back in 95, 96, uh, it was in June down in Argentina. And I, asked God, I just felt to ask God one day, I was at the post office, at the post office. And I said, Lord, give me a sign that you love me. I want a birthday present from you. I want it to snow, and we were living in the mountains, and it was June 27th, and I never had it snow on my birthday, as you can imagine. I said, I want it to snow, and the first time in history of the area where we lived, we had snow June the 27th, and I have it on video holding the lance out in the snow, but I've asked God for signs, and he says, I'm going to give you proof and a sign, and I believe that God just let that cedar tree grow right there because they've never ran over my mailbox anymore because they'd have to run over a tree. But verse 34 says, by the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. Talking about the enemy that was coming against him. Verse 36, then the angel of the Lord went out. Then the angel, the angel, one angel went out and killed in the camp of the Syrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all dead. How many of you know you got angels surrounding you? Just like I have that cedar tree by my mailbox, there's angels surrounding you. And when Daniel was praying for an answer, I don't know who this is for, but God, I saw the cedar tree and I was leaving today, and he says, now I want you to share about this. You may have been waiting for an answer for something for a long time. And just like Daniel, the enemy has been trying to keep the words of God coming to you. But as you continue to stand and you continue to pray, 
the angels of the Lord are coming around you to make sure that the word of God gets to you and that you will not be taken out. And God has a word for you. He has answers for you. And whatever areas you're seeking God in, he's got the answers for you. But when it seems like God is silent because people say, why doesn't God speak to me? It's because your root is going downward. You don't see a whole lot happening. There's not no fruit when the root's going down, but you're getting rooting to stand in the storms to come. So I want to encourage you that when it seems like God is silent and you wonder, when is my direction, when is my guidance coming, you're growing root downward so that you can stand the storms of time. So I just want to encourage you with that. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just know that you're growing deeper. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm growing deeper. And nothing's going to knock me down. Hallelujah. Let's just come forward. We're going to receive this afternoon's offerings in tithe. And, Father, we praise you. We thank you that we are taking root. Your word is taking root in our hearts and our minds. We thank you, Lord God, that we are like that tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit. And I thank you that, Lord, as we've been studying your word, we've been taking root. And we thank you that the season of fruit is coming forward. And we thank you, Lord God, that the fruit shall remain because of the strength and the profoundness of the root. I thank you, Lord God, that roots are getting stronger in marriages and homes. Thank you that roots of identity and, and Lord, healing of the souls are being rooted and grounded into that rock of our salvation. I thank you, Father, in the area of businesses and jobs and emotional healings. And I just pray that there is a root going forth that is establishing your people in you, a, a root of Jacob that shall never be removed. And, Lord, we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight. Take these hands, lift them up, for I have not the strength to praise you near enough, for I have nothing, I have nothing without you. Take my voice, pour it out, and let us sing the songs of mercy I have found. For I have nothing, I am nothing without you.
that I can find Take my time here on this earth And let it glorify all that you are worth For I am nothing, I am nothing without you. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that you've got Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, tonight I want to continue in the areas, you know, we've been studying on discipleship for about 30 minutes on Wednesday night. And uh, we've been speaking the area of compassion and having a ministry of mercy. And I shared with you last week that one of the definitions of meekness is submission to God, but it also means gentleness towards others. It speaks of to stoop to the lowest and the downtrodden, identify with them, and help them. And I pray that God is helping us. You know, when we started this church, one of the scriptures that we've had that the Lord gave Cindy that I'd love to get back up on the billboard was finding grace or help in the time of need. And we want, we want to be a church that is able to help people coming from all kind of different backgrounds, going through so many different trials. And we want, we want to be the best representation, not of a denomination, not of a people, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why we're going to study some things tonight. And sometimes it means maybe stooping down, maybe losing sight of ourselves for a while as we have studied in the last few weeks. And uh, even as we're going to see tonight, look with me in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, in uh, some areas that we're going to deny ourselves that Christ may come alive on the inside of us to be a blessing to many people in need. I believe this is such an important message. Mark 8 chapter 34 is what Jesus taught. And many times I think it's in this area that the Lord separates the sheep from the goats. And I know that you are here tonight because you wouldn't come on a Wednesday night after the work, the kids, like many of us were getting up at 5, 5.30 in the morning and it's school again and all that and you go to work all day and you come here. I know that you're here because you're hungry. I know that you're wanting the Lord to do something. You no, know, sometimes, you know, I've heard some pastors say they'll have less than a dozen people on Wednesday night. And uh, you're here because you're hungry. And I believe that you come here hungry so that God can fill you and bless you and use you. Amen. It says in Mark 8, verse 34, this is the living. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you, this is Jesus speaking, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And I love this in the living. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you shall save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If anything, is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. The message says it like this. Listen, this is so down to earth. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. If you're not in the driver's seat, then I am. Don't turn from suffering. Embrace it. 
Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good will it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade for your soul? Then he speaks about, if any of you are embarrassed over me the way I am leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused uh, friends, know that you'll be a great embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in splendor of God his Father with the army of holy angels. One of the things he says here that I, I saw was, he says, uh, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, of saving yourself, your true self. Just write that down, your true self. There's something I want to share with you as we get, get into this tonight. And I feel that this is so important. It says here in both translations, your true self. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you become a disciple of Jesus, it doesn't mean that who you are personality-wise, who you are, you may be the serious type or you may be the cut-up type. Whoever you are, it doesn't mean that your personality changes. It's what you want changes. A lot of times when we get born again and when people start going to church, there's a lot of pressure for them to be just like the pastor or be like the uh, denomination or be like everybody, a bunch of lookalikes and uh, actalikes and wannabes. Where the church, true church of Jesus Christ is that we're not trying to change the person you are. He wants to fill you with the gifts and use the type of person you are to draw people to Him. If you're cut up, then doesn't mean because you're born again you got to stop cutting up. Keep cutting up, but cutting up good. If you're serious, well, you can't help it. You're a serious person. God can use as a serious person. And I think a lot of times we work so hard trying to change our personalities where he's talking about change your ways. A lot of people are hard on themselves. You know, I know I've got to be more like this type of person. I've got to be like that. Well, where the Holy Spirit speaks to you about changing, you need to change. But there's a lot of Christians beating themselves over things that won't save the world instead of identifying what really would save the world. And you know what? That's why you need to learn to be your true self and let God be God through you. I have a lady. She wants to start a ministry in the church and. I asked her to send me an email, like I tell a lot of people, write down what you've done, tell me your testimony, send me an email or text. Well, she gave me a letter, uh, and uh, it was six, about, I guess, four to six pages, and it was handwritten. And I sat down Sunday night, and, and that letter just touched me in such a, a mighty way. And I said, Lord, thank you that she felt, she says, I feel like I need to express it handwritten. And, and I've got it, and I got it in my briefcase, and I read it, and I've read it three or four times, and it just means so much to me that it was handwritten. And then somebody tonight came and said, Pastor, I know you told me to email you about uh, what I've done and how I want to do it, but I feel like I need to handwrite it. I said, listen, you're the second one this week that just want to write it and be you. Write it in your handwriting. Scratch out, black, white out, but let it be you. And how many know that that's how we're going to reach the world, not changing personalities from church and work but being who we are but letting God enhance who we are and use us in that way and so I want to encourage you I mean hey you know we got a motorcycle group in the church if you're in your motorcycles you get born again don't mean you got to give up motorcycles you just get it blessed and you get louder pipes but you be who you are your real self you know what I gave three examples here. Barnabas 
meant encourager. He was an encourager, and he was a gentle man, quiet man. And when, when he got in the ministry, he was still that type of person. He didn't change. How about Paul? Paul, we can study Paul. Paul was a studier. And when he got converted, he kept on being a studier. Now, how about Peter? I thought about this. Now, some of y'all think I'm crazy, but look, I'm me. So this is me. I think if Peter had a favorite song, Peter would have been totally into Van Halen, and his favorite song would have been Jump. <laughs> jump! You know, I think his song would have been Jump, because Peter was always jumping when he shouldn't have been jumping. So anyway, just a little joke for us 80 people, people of the 80s, okay? He would have been into Jump. But Peter was a jumper. I mean, so who we are in our personality, God can use. But let me give you the def one of the definitions of the word self-denial. The definitions of self-denial means setting aside our own desires and ambitions. Setting our, aside our own desires and ambitions and submitting our will to the will of Christ. Setting aside our own desires and ambitions and submitting our will to that of Christ. I've got a, a, a short testimony that growing up, many of you have heard me tell this, growing up, my desire was to uh, join the military, and man, I had my heart set for it, I had books for it, and everything in second grade. And then I, when I was 14 years old, God started dealing with me, and He called me to be a missionary. And I started thinking, one of the first thing, things I thought, I thought, you know what, they're going to ask everybody in class, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you graduate? What are you going to do when you graduate? Everybody's going to be talking about police, military, construction, and everything else. And they're going to come to me in class and go, what do you want to be? I want to be a missionary. And I thought, oh, they're going to be laughing at me. And I said, no, God, I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not going to be a missionary. And so we're, on, we're going to uh, church that night at a special meeting. I'm sitting in the front seat with mom and dad. And all of a sudden, I just can't hold it in no more. I say, mom, dad, I feel like God is talking to me about being a missionary. And they just smile. And they don't say anything because they gave me to God. So they just smiled, didn't encourage me or anything. Got to church, and I don't even remember what the preacher preached, but I was on the back row, and I started, the Spirit of God came on me, and I started shaking, and I just started weeping back there. And the preacher stopped, and he pointed at me on the back row, and he says, come on up here. And he was from out of state. He called me up, and he said, Russ, he says, what I see is that you're like a walnut, and God's got a hammer, and he's hitting you, and you ain't breaking, but the Lord says, I am God, and you are going to break. And I threw up my hands, and I said, Lord, I surrender. I submitted to God at that moment. And the Lord started taking me through some training uh, from 14 on. And then my wife and I ended up spending over 18 years on the mission field. And, and it was a glorious time because we submitted to God and let God have his way. But sometimes, you know, we'll fight against God's will. Sometimes we'll go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give them people up. I don't want to stay around, away from those people like the Bible is talking about. But if we ask God, he'll show us to put our ambitions and submit to his will. Because listen, write this down. When we submit to God's will, his perfect will is out of perfect love. The perfect will of God is out of perfect love. He's got his best in store for you. Lord, don't take that man away from me. He's got the best man in store for you. Don't make me break up from that woman. He's got the best woman in store for you. Lord, I can't quit my job. He's got the best job in store for you because he's got all the love for you. Now look with me in Mark chapter 9, the next chapter, verse 35. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. I just want to give a few things that Christ taught us here tonight. And he sat down and called the twelve to, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first... He shall be last of all and servant of all. 
Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. I love the message says, You receive a child, you don't only receive me, you receive my Father who sent me, you receive God. And a lot of times we've got to get, make sure we stay. And I, I preached about Zacchaeus last week. That we've got to sometimes stay in the childlike faith. And the childlike attitude that God is my father. And, and how special different ones are to him. And we won't take time to look at it. But in John 13, 13 through 17. You can read about Jesus washing the disciples feet. And that was the job of a common slave. But Jesus wasn't too proud. And he says I want to be the first example. The message translation says. I want to be the first example to show you that if I'm willing to take the place of a common slave, if you want to follow me, you must also be willing to take that place as a common slave. But I want you to look with me in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and there's something here I want to show you that I feel is important. And we're going to look again at what he said about children in another verse. But John chapter 4... John chapter 4, look at verse 6. Now when Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman, everybody say a woman. Say it again, a woman. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealing with the Samaritans. And then Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now I want to just, just stop right there for time, and I'm going to be sp- talking more about her Sunday morning. But this is what I want to share with you. Isn't it amazing? Back then, the law was that men were not just supposed to speak to women. And not only was this a woman, a woman. This was a Samaritan woman. And it, and it wasn't that she was just a Samaritan woman. She was a woman who was shacked up with her sixth man. And rabbis didn't have to talk to women. When they'd go in the temple, the women had to stay in the back and could never come towards the front. Women were considered dogs, as we've heard Sister Terry talk about the Muslim women uh, down in uh, the Middle East, where a dog's better off than a woman. And one of the things about the enemy is that even in religion, and that's why I want to talk to you about this, about this area about womanhood right here. Religion always seems to attack the woman. The woman can't dress good, but the man can The woman can't cut her hair. The woman can't wear gold. The woman can't wear makeup. The women can't do this. But the men are free to do all kinds of things. And it's always so simple to attack the woman. And what was happening here was that in that time, you know, women were considered nothing. So when Jesus said, when Jesus started talking to this woman, he was breaking all the barriers and he was saying, I am not only a rabbi, but I am the son of God, and I don't have any problem being seen, not only talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, and not only a Samaritan woman, I don't have any problem anybody sees me talking to a woman who's been married five times and now is living with a man. 
How many times we as Christians can be somewhere and we see a certain type of a woman or a certain type of a man, a certain type of a boy or a certain type of a girl, and us as believers go, they got tattoos everywhere. They got earrings everywhere. They got a mohawk. Look at them. They don't even, man, I'm scared. And it's so easy for us to fall in the trap and say, that person don't look right. And if you would have seen this woman from Samaria, she had to go get water when nobody else wanted to get water. But who was willing to talk to her? Who was willing to talk to her? Who was willing to overlook that she was living with a man? Who was, a over, who was able to overlook where she comes from? Who was able to ask her for water? Who was willing to have a conversation with her? And not only that, if you read this, this woman wasn't only shacked up, she talked smack. <laughs> read it. She said, who are you being a Jew talking to us? And our fathers worship in such and such a place. The woman talked smack to the rabbi. A shacked up woman talked smack to the rabbi, but Jesus was still willing to say, you don't know who I am. And if you read this story, you know what's so wonderful about Jesus? The disciples came back, and this is, this is one of the only times you can find the disciples, the disciples did not ask Jesus, what are you doing talking to this woman? They says they were quiet. They go, boy, Jesus, we've seen you do a lot of things, but we've never seen you speak to a woman who was a pro known as a prostitute, living with a man, married five times. She's a Samaritan woman at the well when it's not a right. And you're talking to a woman like that at the well. We ain't even going to ask you what you're doing, Jesus. And they didn't. They didn't ask him. And when she left her pot and she ran to get somebody to, to tell the whole town, I've met a prophet. He's telling me all about my life. It says, he said, Jesus, what's going on? What are you doing talking to this woman? You want to eat? He says, uh, he says, you don't understand. How many of you watched the Olympics and you saw uh, Michael Phelps? Is it Michael Phelps who won the gold? How many of you seen him receive his gold medals? Now, were, was America proud or was America proud? Six gold medals, seven gold medals, eight gold medals. Well, you know what? Jesus was feeling an excitement inside that Michael Phelps couldn't feel with a hundred gold medals. He was speaking to the unspeakable and helping the broken and healing the hurt. He says, I'm doing something greater than meat. I'm doing something greater than any reward. I, I, am in, I am in my zone. I am ministering to this woman that nobody else wants to have anything to do. And other people are judging her. They wouldn't accept her on Facebook. They wouldn't accept her email. They wouldn't accept her going, going to the, sitting at the table at, the, uh, at Wendy's with them. They wouldn't accept them uh, sitting on the same row with them. They get up and they move rows because, you know, I don't want to be sitting on the same row because I know pastor's going to be calling that woman out and casting the devil out of her because just look at her hello church hello church somebody today on Facebook this afternoon wrote yuck on the judgmental attitudes just tired of it and I clicked a, a like on that yeah 
Yuck on judgmental attitudes of the outward appearance. Because that woman of Samaritan, she brought the whole region to Jesus. Jesus is willing to talk to a woman, a woman. Nobody else wanted to talk to. Because he says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. You see, this lady here, she's been married five times. She's living with a man. She's shacked up. I came for this type of person. Because she's going to raise her hands and dance and glorify me greater than a lot of these others who's been judging her. Because I'm going to give her a chance. And I believe that this is what Jesus is wanting to show us here. Break the religious barriers. They brought this woman caught in adultery to Jesus, thinking that Jesus, the rabbi, was going to say, stoner. Jesus rebuked all the religious people and looked at that lady and says, daughter, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. He was willing to cast the devils out of a, seven demons out of a woman who followed him and was the first witness of the resurrection and her and other women like her followed Jesus and supported his ministry and everywhere Jesus went they went and Jesus was not ashamed you mean we know that woman we recognize her my brother used was a, a faithful a client to her and now you're letting her follow you and Jesus was go she's my daughter she's my disciple you mean you, 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 you're not ashamed of her? No, I'm proud of her. Who I'm ashamed of is you. This is the gospel to the good news. This is where Christ wants to bring the church in these latter days. Breaking the religious barriers. Breaking the religious spirits. Now look with me in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Now watch this. Some people would say, why do you spend so much time on children dedication? You give them certificates, you have them come up, you take them one at a time, you show their pictures on the overhead. Why do you do that? Right here, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Did you hear that? The disciples shooed them off, it says in the message, but Jesus intervened. Let the children alone. Don't prevent them from coming to me. He rebuked the disciples. He says, don't, don't, you, don't you make a clause because of age, because of gender, and because of what they look like and what they come from and how they're living. Don't you separate people from me. I've come from all people. I've come from the babies in the womb all the way to the elderly. 
And don't you make a don't you become a respecter of persons and make a clause because this one's that way and this one's the other way. Don't you make a respecter of persons. You receive them. Now you don't compromise the message, but you love the person. You destroy the roots of the sin, but you love the person. Amen. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. I tell you, there's something special. I, was play, I like to play and speak to little children before the services because when I'm speaking and touching them and talking about their different things and encouraging them and tell them how cool they look or how pretty they are, I'm doing to them, I'm doing it to Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. This is the Living Bible. Don't be selfish. There's that word, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. This is the Living Bible. Philippians 2, 3. I hear you turning. I'll give you a chance. Philippians 2, 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. The same attitude, verse 6. What is it? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as searching to cling to something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. Gave up. Say, give up. He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that every, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and, and uh, tongue confess. Uh, under the earth, over the earth, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. How many of you know he gave up his rights? Amen. Let me show you one more right quick. Uh, something to be careful of. Isaiah chapter 14. This is the opposite of Jesus. And they both were in the presence of the Father. Isaiah chapter 14. This is something I always have more notes than I have time. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will, there's pride, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Jesus being the most high became the most low. And it says in verse 15, you shall be brought down to hell to the lowest depths of the pit. This shows you what selfish ambition and selfish uh, pride will get us every time. I want to be the biggest this. I want to have the biggest that. I want this. I want that and the other. Satan wanted all of that and it was his downfall. Proverbs says time and time again that the Lord hates pride. But yet he says he loves a humble heart. Genesis 3, 4 through 5. You don't have to look there. Adam and Eve. It says, if you eat of this fruit, you will become like the Most High. And out of pride, they ate of that fruit and they lost their position. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2. 
Lord, help us to have the attitude of Jesus. Help us to see with the heart of Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. First John chapter 2. Look at verse 15. This is the living Bible. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love this world nor the thing it offers you. For when you love the world, you will not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I want to live forever. Amen. The message says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, Wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. It isolates me from Him. The world and all it's wanting, 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 says it three times in the message, is the way out. But, whatever, but whoever does what God wants is set up for eternity. Amen. And then First uh, Peter chapter 5, we're right there. Let me show you this right quick. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. You know, in humility, Christ is exalted. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. You know this, this passage right here. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves. When I go and I reach out for somebody who's a, maybe a different race, somebody who looks different, somebody who may be different, somebody who may be from a different upbringing, somebody who may be different from I, if I go out and reach for that person and hug on that person, love that person, welcome that person, I'm, hum I'm humbling myself, I'm taking on the attitude of Christ that I'm not going to allow by what I see to cause me to back away from that person when I reach out to them and I'm going to love them and I'm going to do my best to have the attitude of Christ and surrender to that spirit of meekness that Christ wants us to have, amen. Let me just share uh, just a few things with you as we close here. Uh, here's a question for you in the area of the attitude of Christ. What will exalt the name of Jesus? Write that down because you read in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus humbled himself and therefore he was given a name above every name. What can I do with whoever God sends my way? What can I do with this person to exalt the name of Jesus? Not exalt myself, but exalt the name of Jesus. What can I do to exalt the name of Jesus? And here's another question for you. What can I do for somebody that makes Jesus look good? What can I do for somebody else that makes Jesus look good? What can I do for somebody else that will make Jesus look good? Love them. Give to them. Serve them. Reach out to them. Spend some time with them. Help them. Give to them. Whatever I can find to do, reach out to them. And let me just give you these scriptures here. Proverbs 6, 6, 16. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 and 17. Also chapter 8, verse 13. Uh, Proverbs 6, 6, 6. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. Chapter 8, verse 13. And chapter 16, 5 and 18. All the scripture says how God hates pride. Lord, give me a humble spirit. 
Let's pray that every day. Lord, give me a humble spirit. And the Bible says that Jesus, in the King James, he clothed himself with compassion and humility. I'm going to end tonight. I'm going to give you a few things here. How can I clothe myself in humility and compassion? Number one, this is on tape. This is on the internet. You can get it down for free. Ten ways to clothe ourselves in humility and compassion. Number one, follow truth even when it means I'm wrong. Follow truth even when it mean, means I'm wrong. Follow truth. You know, I was wrong about that. That was a wrong decision on my part. That was selfish on my part because I made that decision. Follow truth even if it means that I'm wrong because what's best for others may not be best for me, but it's not all about me, is it? Number two, invite counsel and correction. Invite counsel and correction from others. Invite counsel and correction from others. You know, the biggest thing in counseling is changing the subject. When you start counseling and you start meddling, the subject starts getting changed. Oh, no, 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 no. We ain't going there. No, no, we ain't going there. Let's talk about my wife. Let's don't talk about me. Humility is go there. Go where it hurts. Touch that part that's bothered me. Go ahead and go there. That's humility. Number three, learn from everyone, even your critics. Learn from everyone, even your enemies. Learn from them. Lord, is there something in what they're saying? Learn from everyone, enemies and critics. Learn from children. Number four, if I have a humble attitude, I'm going to repent quickly and thoroughly. Lord, I, I, Lord, I confess that's pride talking. Lord, I confess that's pride thinking. I'm, I'm, I repent of that pride. You hate it. You cannot stand it. How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had something that just stunk? You opened the icebox. Did you ever open the icebox? It didn't happen in my house, but I went to somebody else's house. And I opened the icebox and it stunk. Anybody had something ever stink in the icebox or maybe under the washing machine? You wonder, where's that smell coming from? Boy, the boy's socks are getting worse. There was a dead rat or something under there. Anyway, something dead in the house. Anybody ever had something stink and you just met, oh, that, oh, oh, that smell. That's what pride smells like before God. And we're opening our Bible and we're reading and the Holy Spirit says, I'm coming to visit you. Oh. I smell that pride. I'm out of here. Clean it up. Number five, seek, celebrate, and look for change and growth in others. Seek and celebrate and look for growth in others, even if it's slow growth. Thank God, slow growth is still good growth. Amen. Number six, always have a spirit of thankfulness for things and others, uh, especially where they're growing. Have a spirit of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing to my brother and my sister. Thank you, Lord God, for the change in them. Meditate on the good, not the negative. Number seven, listen to Scripture more than listening to self. <laughs> listen to the Word more than I listen to myself. It's so easy to believe lies. Justify ourselves. Listen to the Word. Listen to Scripture. Number eight, exalt the name of Jesus in all that you do. And I said this a while ago, what makes Him look good. Number nine, 
I'm going to be like Jesus with a Samaritan woman. I'm just going to bust up some religious spirits right here. Number nine, learn to laugh. Prideful people cannot laugh. Have a good time. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh instead of get mad at things. Prideful people aren't going to laugh. Like, I ain't going to laugh. I'm self-righteous and I'm too good to laugh at that. It always gets me when I'll get a guest speaker to come in and he's a funny person or she's a funny person. And I get to look around and see the people who get in position. They're gone now. They're not here anymore, but they used to be here. No, it's true. They're not here anymore. They finally took their attitude and left, but they might be watching for internet. I love you. But anyway, just, you're not going to make me laugh. I'm not going to laugh. Don't laugh in church. Preacher's not supposed to be funny. We're not supposed to have a good time. Learn to laugh. That religious spirit makes you hard. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I know a lot of you, you ought to be laughing anyway because you're great comic material. If you weren't still here, I'd be using it as an example, but I can't, so I've got to read it in other books. But a lot of you are good comic material. I, ought to, I could be a stand-up comedian and make some money, you know, just on myself, but, you know, anyway. We don't take ourselves too seriously. That's one thing. Number 10. My wife and I were talking about this today. Go to bed and go to sleep. A humble person isn't laying there wondering what somebody else is doing and why they're doing it. A humble person doesn't lay down and wonder about others. You know, they're living together. I wonder if they're in the same bed. Bunch of heathens. Then I heard him tell the pastor that he stole the sheets. How can they have the gall to tell the pastor he stole the sheets when they were sleeping the other night and they're not married yet? Oh, they're going to hell. No, we're trying to save them from going to hell. Don't send them there. Give them some time. We're working on them. They got to get a divorce before they get married. They're trying to fix it. Give them some time. But we've had people like that. And you know what? They're still in church. They would tell me. He took the sheets off of me. And they would tell me these stories. And they're living together. And they know I know they're living together. But I'd hug them and I'd pray for them. But I wouldn't criticize them. I'd just hug them and go, Well, buddy, stop stealing the sheets. When y'all getting married? And he said, you can laugh at this. we got to learn to laugh. Because you know what? Being hard and jumping on them and calling them a sinner ain't going to make them get married. Oh, God, no. They need love. They need compassion. You may say, well, it's wrong. They know it's wrong, too, but they're trying to work through it. They need some help. And we're here to help.
We're here to pour the oil and the wine on them. We're not here to judge them. You don't know where somebody's been. We don't know where they are. We don't know how much they're bleeding inside, and in fact, they're bleeding so rapidly they could die if we don't give them a chance and be a type of a life support machine for them. People come in this place, they're dying. People who are going to come to this church. Do you realize Sunday we had, we had more people get saved this last Sunday morning and Sunday night than we did for the first six months of the year in one day? There are people who are coming that they're bleeding on the inside. And we have to be a life support machine and we have to be an encouragement and we have to be a hand to reach out to them and love them regardless and reach out in the grace and the mercy of God. There are people with hurts and pains and live through things that we never could even imagine a person, one person could live through. But you know what? I want this to be known as grace. Finding help in time of need. And being able to help them grow and go on and mature and get into areas of their life. But one of the things I have to do as a humble person is I have to go to bed and I just have to just go to sleep and uh, don't wonder what other people are getting, what other people are doing, what's going on. Pride makes you nosy. I wonder what they're getting. I wonder how much money they make. How do they afford that? Lay up all night wondering about other people. And God's giving you time to go to sleep so the next day you don't say, I only got six hours of sleep. Learn to rest. And thank God for what you have. And be thankful for what you have today. And don't let it bug you what you don't have. What somebody else may have, rejoice with them. Just rejoice with them. Hey, we just got a pair of jet skis. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to pray tonight. God puts it on your heart to bring me riding. <laughs> I rejoice you got a pair. Now you pay the insurance and I ride for free. No. Just learn to rest. I know this was a simple message tonight. I know you, you know it. But we got to be reminded of it. We're going down the streets. And we see things. And when we see different ones. Just to reach out in the love of Jesus. As you've received one of these. I heard a mother, I heard a mother just a while ago, a mother down the hall. She's, a mother or grandmother said, I got my kids burgers on my shirt. Just, just before service tonight. Uh, if it's you, don't worry about it. I don't remember who it is, so I'm not going to point you out. But in the hall, they said, I got my kids burgers on my shirt. And I thought, you know what? That's church. I, got, I go home with grubs, burgers on my shirt sometime. Cry their eyes out. Hug us, and love on us, and get love from us. But that just means closeness. When you receive one of these mocosos, <laughs> when you received one of these snotty-nosed kids, you received me. When you've loved them and you're patient with them, you've done it to me. And I'll reward you open. And we're being rewarded with souls, church. My. And there's most, more souls coming. We want to be a safe place. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, sweet Jesus.
Thank you, sweet Lord and Savior. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you for the amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Thank you that we're so lost in the amazingness of your grace that we're not into what we see or what we hear, but we're into the person that you died for and that you love. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we don't want to leave this service tonight without giving you an opportunity that if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to receive him tonight and receive the forgiveness and the forgiveness and the washing and the erasing of sins, all of it. If you're here tonight and you say, I need forgiveness of my sins. I need to get born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand, please, and say, I, I need to get saved. I need you to pray for me. I need forgiveness of my sins. Anybody at all tonight, just raise your hand right there where you are. Just raise your hand right there where you are. Would you pray for me? I need forgiveness. Anybody at all, raise your hand real high so I can see it. Please pray for me. I need a change of my lifestyle. I need a change in my heart. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? I want to give you an opportunity. Get your life right with Jesus tonight. Let him save you and rescue you. Anybody at all? Anybody? You know you're going to heaven. Shout amen. amen. You're thankful that you saved. Just raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you for our greatest salvation. We thank you that we, Lord, are falling in love with you so much that, Lord, we are leaving those things that meant things to us because we're going after you, the eternal drink of life. Lord, bless your people tonight. Give us your heart of compassion and love and mercy. Help us to be patient and loving and help us to see people as you see people. Lord, help us to be like Christ in every area. Less of us and more of you. Give us the grace to do that, Father. We love you and we thank you. Bless every family, every child, every adult, every marriage, every home, every widow, every single person. Bless each and every one that's here tonight. We pray that they are healthy, they are blessed, and Lord, they are at peace. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Invite somebody to come to church Sunday morning. See you Sunday morning. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you.